Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, Senior Managing Director of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to number 11. In this episode, I want to highlight a couple of developments that have occurred over the past few weeks. And really, but in the context of the effects on markets and economies. In particular, some details of the recent stimulus package and the adjustments to expectations given the results from the Georgia runoff. And finish with risk to the current economic recovery. I also want to note that while the events at the Capitol are certainly the most newsworthy, I view them as more non-economic and political in nature. But I did feel the need to mention it given the lives lost. Let's start with the new stimulus bill. But before I go into details, I want to frame something I found interesting. You think about the CARES Act in March of 2020, that was $2.2 trillion. It was actually the HEROES Act, which was approved by the House in October of 2020 for $2.2 trillion, which didn't end up passing through the Senate. We finally got to a bill that was approved in December for about $900 billion. What I found interesting was I look back at the financial crisis, TARP, which was hugely in the press and had significant emotions throughout our country about TARP and bailing out the banks. TARP was initially 700 billion, ended up being 430 billion of which they got back more than that. So the bill that was passed a couple of weeks ago was less than half of the CARES Act. TARP ended up being less than half of this. So we have passed essentially $3 trillion in stimulus this year. TARP was a little over $400 billion, just to shed some perspective. I found that interesting. I'll start with some details. From a stimulus check standpoint, the CARES Act was $1,200 to single filers. This is going to be $600. Basically half the stimulus check with the same income levels. Stimulus for child dependents $600 for all dependents 16 and under. College students 24 and under are not eligible. As it relates to unemployment insurance, the federal addition to the state is 300 per week. That is half of what the CARES Act was, which was 600 a week. That expires March of this year. So about 11 weeks. And then another round of PPP was passed in this bill. The original CARES Act was $650 billion. This is $325 billion, of which $280 is meant for businesses. So you actually go to the SBA website. This was opened on January 11th, so we're recording two days after that. Public companies are not eligible. The maximum loan sizes are $2 million. And depending on the amount of the loan, would dictate whether or not you have to show revenue decreases of 25% either year over year from 2019. They've also set aside some things that were not addressed in the CARES Act. One is some dollars for venues, theaters, and museums. So $15 billion of that, of that $325 is reserved for those type of businesses. $20 billion reserved for businesses in low-income communities. And then you have eviction bans based on the CDC eviction moratorium that extends through January 31st of this year. And then Two elements that were put through in this stimulus package that were not part of the CARES Act was funds for school reopenings, which is about $82 billion, and then coronavirus testing and tracing, which was 
which has been approved for $69 billion. So you add it all up, slightly less than a trillion, added some things that were not part of the CARES Act. They were part of the HEROES Act, but this is a much more dialed down version of the HEROES Act. That's your high level view of, or high level data on the new stimulus package. There really isn't a name. You'd call it CARES Act too. But I think it's an interesting segue into sort of what the markets and what economies are expecting now into 21. And here's where I'm going. With the Georgia election outcome now in hand, the Democrats now hold the House, tiebreaker for the Senate, and POTUS. And essentially, the markets are expecting spending or stimulus. So we just talked about you know, the recent stimulus passed. The markets and economies are expecting two years of stimulus now. And we'll get into more detail with that. So why would I think that the new administration is going to spend a lot more than originally thought? Well, let's, let's go back and look at a few data points. The first one being the HEROES Act. In October of 2020, the House passed another $2.2 trillion stimulus package, which was, was shot down by the Senate. You go to later in the year around this stimulus act, the House approved $2,000 stimulus checks. The president approved $2,000 stimulus checks. The Senate shot, shot it down, said 600 is what they're willing to approve. You also factor in the unwinding of the primary corporate credit facility and the secondary market corporate credit facility as it relates to the Fed and Treasury. And what you have is a situation prior to the Georgia runoffs where multiple data points showing the House is willing to spend, the Senate is going to be a little tighter about this. And ultimately, that's the big change from the effects of the Georgia runoff. For a GOP Senate now switching over to a split Senate with a tie-breaking vote being the vice president, you have, you have a path now for stimulus that is largely unencumbered. So what does that mean? Well, I think most folks, the base case would be there's going to be a lot more spending. There's probably going to be new stimulus coming that either ties a little bit of the, of the gap between the HEROES Act in October and the recently approved stimulus. And there's also a base case that that long-awaited infrastructure package could really emerge later in the year. So most folks looking at the, the new set of administration are expecting this spend, which is what you're, you're seeing that reflected in markets. You're also seeing that reflected in inflation expectations. Treasury yields moved higher by 20 basis points in the following week after the Georgia runoff. So that to me is the real big change in the effect of the Georgia runoff. And that has significant impacts on a variety of markets, which we're seeing being underwritten right now. So given the Georgia results, coupled with the new stimulus package and the vaccine rollout, what are the risks to our economic rebound and the recovery in 21? Well, the easy one is, is vaccine progress. That is critical to this. And where we sit today, production and distribution seem to be moving well. Administration is not optimal yet, but it seems to be ramping up. So as I speak today, the U.S. is administering about 600,000 shots a day. That was significantly higher than the 250 they were administering in December. Uh, in my opinion, efficacy and adoption are certainly being watched, but we are seeing some, 
some adjustments made in recently the CDC is recommending opening up to people over 65. So rather than that highly structured tiers, you're starting to see just a more open approach to vaccine administration. I think that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. From an economic rebound standpoint, more stimulus is expected. The biggest risk there is an austerity mentality. While that was uncertain under a GOP-controlled Senate, the prospects for an austerity mindset are less probable at this point. And as a result, I would underwrite that risk as pretty low from the austerity standpoint. The caveat to that is if you have a split chamber, swing votes matter. So if you have 50 votes one way and you need 51 or you have 49, you can have a couple of a couple of senators with tremendous amount of leverage depending on certain legislation. So that's going to be the wild card, but nonetheless, as relates to austerity, I don't think that's the mindset that, that we have from a fiscal policy standpoint. So beyond the economic rebound, when you look through to market liquidity, the Fed will continue to main, remain accommodative. Janet Yellen is expected to be U.S. Treasury Secretary. She was formerly chair of the Fed. Powell is expected to remain as chair. So you, the market and investors believe with those two, that sort of dual Fed chair, the Fed should be able to respond if needed in the event we have another liquidity crisis and the accommodative backdrop remains in place. So while we look through, while I certainly pointed out the big risk, these risks are unlikely in my opinion. So when you look through, so in conclusion, as you look through to where the market sits today, where many investors sit today, why you're seeing markets continue to rally, monetary policy is expected to be very accommodative. Fiscal policy is expected to be very accommodative. Vaccine administration is gaining momentum. And then below the surface, if you're a believer in the wealth effect, consumer net worth is up almost 20% year over year, largely caused by the rally in the markets in addition to the housing, housing strength, which leads to housing continues to be strong. So as we look at those elements, those are tremendously big factors that are tailwinds for the economy. Those tailwinds certainly tell, paint a very good picture for the economic story, where the uncertainty lies is in the market story, as valuation will most likely come in uh, and be, it cause a little more volatility as if any of those apple carts are upset. And then throw in uncertainty around underwriting what the tax picture looks like, as well as the trade relationship with China. And those to me are sort of on the margin um, uncertainties. But in general, the tailwinds that I mentioned are pretty powerful tailwinds. As you might surmise, I believe the economic rebound is for real. On another note, I'm really looking forward to this year as we have some great topics we'll be discussing, including cryptocurrencies, which we're actually talking about in the next podcast, energy markets, vaccine follow-up, commercial real estate outlook, and a host of others. So if you've stayed on this far, as the joke goes, why were economists created? In order to make weather forecasters look good. Thank you and stay tuned. All investing involves risk including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. The views in this commentary are as of January 13, 2021, and are presented for informational purposes only. 
these views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Sector names in this commentary are provided by the fund's portfolio managers and could be different if provided by a third party. Pacific funds are distributed by Pacific Select Distributors LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, a subsidiary of Pacific Life Insurance Company, Newport Beach, California, and are available through licensed third parties. Pacific funds refers to Pacific Funds Series Trust.